Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today we're talking about cannabis. The renowned Amen Clinic has been at the front line of resources for brain health, and they've been tackling all of your questions about how marijuana affects your brain, and more importantly, how cannabis affects the brain of adolescents. And since we know that roughly 38% of adolescents have tried marijuana, it's really important to understand the impact on the adolescent brain and how to support kids to help discourage them from moving in that direction. Dr. Rebecca Siegel is here with me today. She just wrote a book called The Brain on Cannabis. And Dr. Siegel is a psychiatrist at the Amen Clinic. Dr. Siegel specializes in the assessment and treatment of anxiety, mood disorders, and ADHD with a special focus on issues confronting adolescents. She's also particularly interested in research on the therapeutic effects, risks, and benefits of cannabis treatment. That's not our focus today because we're focused on recreational use and its impact and specifically recreational use and dependence in adolescence. If you enjoy this podcast, it is so helpful. Thank you so much when you write a review and give a five-star rating. It helps highlight the podcast and get it to more people. And of course, keep DMing me your questions on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast and sign up for my bulletin, draliza.bulletin.com for articles, tips, and clips from the episode that didn't make it onto the podcast. Cannabis is kind of interesting because a lot of people think they know a whole lot about it or they don't know where to get their information. And they often trust the, you know, the people in the dispensaries, you know, like they, like if they're called bud tenders, I'm not really sure how much to trust them. Right. With how much right. information they may have. And especially, you know, for different kinds of populations of people. So, Let's start with that. Let's start with the basics of what do we need to know about marijuana or cannabis or what, which, what's the go-to language you want to use today? Well, the first thing I would put out there is that we, I definitely do not recommend that anybody whose brain is still developing would you, should use any form of cannabis. And actually, we're going to really expand on that in, after we go through a bunch of other things. I think the second part of this conversation is going to be all about the specifics of what your brain, your growing brain on cannabis does and how parents can respond 
and support kids through growing up without cannabis until their brains are developed. But first, and and I like that primary message of the developing brain should not go near cannabis. Overall, is that the message? Absolutely. Okay. You know, and and the, you know, like you said, there's just not there's there's so much curiosity about it and definitely adults, teens, adolescents, they they're curious about it. They're looking and also like if let's say your teen even early 20s, you know, kid is struggling with any kind of anxiety or depression or even ADD. You know, they may be looking towards a lot of things and cannabis is something that, you know, might appeal to, to some. And that's very dangerous in my mind. You know, it's out there. Kids are curious. You know, their, their frontal lobes may not be totally mature and developed. And, you know, you, you have to be very aware <laughs> Certainly, as parents and as 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 you know, people involved with you know, parents, schools, teachers, etc. And and I really want to dive into that too because part of that conversation is does go into and as a psychiatrist, this is probably something top of mind for you. But if kids are looking to cannabis to compensate for what their needs are, if they have any of these conditions that you're talking about or challenges. What are other ways to deal with that? But first, so we'll get to that. I I think you're such a wealth of knowledge here, but I just want to go into the basics of what, in general, what are the myths about marijuana that you feel need to be addressed? Well, I mean, like the biggest, like the, the, the overall in my book is, you know, the myth of harmfulness versus harmlessness you know, and, and trying to understand what that means. Right. And that, like that, that just, you have to break down what, like cannabis, what is it? Right. It's, it's all, it's, right. you know, it, it's, um, you know, the, the major components being THC and CBD, and then a whole lot of other, you know, like they, we call them phytocannabinoids, right. Chemicals that are in that, that, you know, that cannabis plant, but understanding that THC is the psychoactive, you know, the part that's going to, you know, get, get you high. Whereas CBD, right. The non, it, it's, it actually is psychoactive and that it impacts your brain, but it's not going to, you know, doesn't give you that high feeling. So is CB is, are we talk when we talk about cannabis? Right. So when we talk about cannabis, cannabis is THC and CBD or, you know, certain ratios of CBD to, to you know, it's, it's, the, it's the plant. Cannabis is the plant. Marijuana is the like THC and CBD. Hemp, Okay. Cannabis cannabis is the plant. plant. There's marijuana and hemp. And hemp is the CBD. Hemp being a much higher, you know, concentration of CBD, right? Then the non get you high part. And then there's, you know, marijuana, which has a much higher form of component of THC. So I guess side question is for CBD without any THC. So just CBD. To sell CBD legally, you're supposed to have less than 0.3% THC. Like you know, that's what the, when people say CBD or hemp or whatever they might say, that means it must have less than a, a very small percentage of THC in it. And but that's and the, other, that the other scary harmful? part is people are just putting CBD out there and it might be anything. It might, it might contain anything, right? And you can get actually CBD in legal dispensaries. You can also get it you know, from a store, from, 
from you know Dwayne Reed, from from a gas station, right. from online. You know, but there's ways to be at least more sure of how to that it, you know you're getting a um, a better product, and that's to make sure that you look and see if there if that product is you know has a certificate of, of of like authenticity, and you know like you so that you know what's what the components are of it. So. So whether it's CBD or marijuana, you want to get it from a reputable source, not just go into the bodega or go into Dwayne Reed. You want to know that what you're getting is safe. And what are the things? So, and I, I guess, what are the risks if you get unsafe sources? Well, I mean, even if it doesn't have THC in it, you know, or the recommended amount, very little, it might have other things in it that could be, you know, dangerous for someone to ingest or smoke. Okay. And are there benefits to, I guess we don't have to get into the benefits, but I do want to know. Yeah. CBD is, you know, like has been studied in, you know, along other, you know, components of that plant, you know, that it may be very, very helpful for, you know, inflammation and anti-inflammatory conditions. I mean, inflammatory conditions because it is an anti-inflammatory substance. So I've, I've always wondered this, which is I went to, I think it was, I went to an Aspen Institute one before the pandemic, maybe it was the, the last Aspen Institute before the pandemic. And there was a panel on CBD and efficacy and they were, a lot of the people were saying, and I, you know, I'm sure more research has been done since then, because it's been a few years a lot of the folks were saying that the amount of CBD you need is much higher for the actual benefits to be there. And so a lot of the CBD people have just kind of recreationally or not recreationally, casually, where they think like, I'm just going to have a gummy before bed is not doing much more than making you, is well, that like true? Like a wellness kind of a thing. And that's, yes. that's yeah. right. And like shown in, there is actually, you know, there's an FDA approved medication that is solely CBD, right? And it's for children with severe seizure disorders, right? Dravet syndrome, that's called Epidiolex. So that is a solely CBD containing legal medication and children have to take extremely high amounts in order to get any, you know, to get that benefit of the anti-seizure properties for sure. What are the safest delivery systems for recreational use, if there are any, and like, is there a dosage or a like dosage in terms of how often or dosage in terms of how much? Well, every, the other thing is everyone is different. You know, they're like, it's not one size fits all, you know, people are individual and, and cannabis and all, like anything is going to impact or affect people differently right? It's an individual kind of thing. Right. So, you know, like I always say, start low, go slow with a whole lot of things, right? But definitely you know, like in the age of coronavirus and a pandemic and COVID, you know, you want to avoid anything that's going to impact your lungs, right? So that's smoking, vaping, things like that, you know, and that's definitely, that's a very fast method of delivery. It's going to get into, you know, once you inhale it, it goes to your brain pretty, very quickly. Whereas, the slower methods of delivery, like edibles or capsules, you know, oral delivery. There's also oils, tinctures, things like that. That will that's a you know slower method, but that can also be dangerous. You know, edibles, and you hear stories about 
kids and, and toddler babies getting edibles and getting very sick, you know, like getting their hands into, on edibles. you know, in a, in a horrible, you know, horrible accident, right? Getting their hands and eating them, you know, if they look like candy, they're going to eat them. Being in California, it's it's really scary to think about how appealing they have made. There's a there's a you know the major boulevard that I live off of has when we first moved here there was a which was a year and a half ago there was a huge sign for an ice cream shop and the smaller print on the ice cream shop was that it's all cannabis infused ice cream so i was like that is so disturbing because to me as the mother of teenagers that was just like oh my god like could you make it more appealing but back to my question, because I'll, I'll get to that. But I do want, you know, I right. certainly I wonder that about it that. It has to be done responsibly. And that, I mean, that, that doesn't just mean by the individual, but that means the way it's marketed too. I mean, right? I don't know how much the people marketing it are actually trying to be, you know, I hope they're trying Mindful. to be responsible. I mean, it's almost like, remember what happened with Jewel, you know, and, and exactly. it, it started, it appealed to, you know, not even just teens, but, you know, like adolescents. Like younger than younger than teenage, you know. Right, and if memory serves, the big issue there was in the beginning, and probably, frankly, still is like this: that for girls who wanted to be kind of well behaved and just push the envelope a little bit, Jewel felt like the kind of rebellion that they could do. You know, it wasn't so bad to vape, like compared with other things, and so there were higher rates of vaping in teenage girls. And so I, I, I wonder about the marketing too, but okay. So in the, for adults, is there a safer mode of delivery? It sounds like during COVID you're saying like the lungs get impacted more by smoking and then second by vaping. So a, a safer option are the other ones that you talked about, but it's exactly the oral, the oral options. You have to be careful there too, because people like, if they don't impact them immediately, they may just take more and more and that can make you very sick. Right. So I don't know that anything is necessarily safer. It just depends on how you look at it. Like what, you know, the organ system that is going to be impacted most, you know, most definitely if you smoke or vape is the lungs. Right. And if you, you know, if you're, if you're eating, taking using edibles right it's going through your gi tract and you know hitting your stomach and your intestines and then then getting to your brain it just takes longer you know but that you run the risk of, of taking too much too much. actually you might you might run the risk of smoking or vaping too much too so there's always a risk there's always a risk there's always a risk so w- w- like we're operating with something that is already not neutral what would send you into concern as a psychiatrist with usage and and like effects on the brain like is twice a month something you wouldn't even think think about versus twice a day like what's the what's the point where you're like well, your also, brain I'd is want not- to know why people are using it first of all recreationally i mean are they just using it to like you know chill out and and that kind of a thing to relax or are they you know thinking about imp- trying to you know improve anxiety or depression or things like that and you know trying to um think about why they're using it I've seen a lot of people who've come to me after, you know, having really like bad things happen, you know, when, where you can, you know, you you smoke or vape or even edibles and you become exceedingly anxious and paranoid, you know, and that's, I mean, that's incredibly scary. And I've heard more and multiple stories of where, you know, people have ended up in the emergency room, 
I, in fact, I like I heard three stories in the last couple of weeks about that, you know, because they either think they're having a heart attack, you know, they're so anxious and, and you know, a panic attack or an, you know, an anxiety attack, not a heart attack, but still people don't know, but also say like paranoia, psychosis, you know, young people who come to me after even just using one time and they've been so paranoid and it's stayed, it hasn't gone away. You might end up on pharmaceutical medications to treat that. You just don't, you don't know right, what someone's response will be. And even if you've done, and even if you smoked or vaped or used it many times over the years, it's, yeah. you still have a risk of having that happen to you. I, I, like I've seen it you know, clinically. Now we're going to take a quick break so that I can tell you about my sponsors. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? We are so committed to good sleep on Raising Good Humans podcast. You know that I have talked about the importance of good sleep and mental health. It's also incredibly important for physical health, mood, increased productivity, and it's important not just for kids, but for us. So I'm excited to introduce you to Beam Dream, the world's most innovative, functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today my listeners get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product, Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients, triple lab tested, no THC, which we have discussed today, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when they take Beam Dream and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. So just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir and enjoy before bedtime. This is just for grownups. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by athletes. And if you don't love it and you don't feel like it's effective, you actually get your money back guaranteed. So there's really no downside. For a limited time, get up to 35% off when you go to shopbeam.com slash humans and use the code humans at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash humans and use the code humans for up to 35% off. And speaking of good sleep, I want to introduce you to Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth develops and crafts high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so that you can get the restorative sleep you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy Earth is softer than cotton and it's made from soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics. It's temperature regulating, which means it will keep you cool and comfortable all night long. Sleep is so important to me, so I love anything that helps sleep. And Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorite list four years in a row. I feel like Oprah saying something is awesome is a pretty good reason <laughs> to have some faith in it. And they have a 10-year warranty on all products, 100-night sleep test, which means that you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. Why? Because they know that you're going to love it. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. 
35% off site-wide when you use the code HUMANS. So get on there. So go to CozyEarth.com and use the code HUMANS for 35% off. CozyEarth.com, code HUMANS for 35% off. So what is the effect on the brain? It impacts all different areas of the brain. I mean, and, and it can impact the frontal lobes, which are the decision-making, the impulse control, right? The, you know, that kind of, that, those areas or mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the hippocampus, right? The learning areas, you know, and the memory and learning, the back of the brain, the cerebellum, the, you know, the coordination and balance and that gets you into, you know, do you want to be driving a car, right? No. <laughs> Plus, you know, if you've smoked, that kind of a thing, right? So, I mean, it, yeah. it impacts a whole lot of areas of the brain. But as I said, it's not one size fits all. And, I, and, and you know, different people are, are affected differently. We do a special kind of imaging, a brain imaging study called SPECT scanning. And Daniel Amen is, you know, the, my, you know, the head yes. of Amen Clinic is very proud of, the, of you know, all the scan, the, all the research and scans that, he, you know, have been done over, over 30 years on like chronic, all kinds of chronic substance abuse, but cannabis as has been shown in, in his scan and the scans is, can absolutely impact like, you know, the blood flow to the brain. So you, you mentioned substance abuse is one of the myths about cannabis that you can't abuse it. I mean, here's another very complicated issue. You know, one person's, you know, abuse may not be another's, right? Like one person's mm-hmm. alcoholism is not another's, but you know, it like in my view, what is abuse or dependence. Yeah. What is abuse well, here? It's, it's when like, you know, when you are using some form of substance that impacts you, whether it's, you know, like if you're young academically impact, you know, your work performance or your academic performance, your social life, you know, you, you know, your home life, your, your peers, things like that. If it impacts, you know, it, it's, it's that cage questionnaire for alcohol. Right. So, right. What's some of the hope for cannabis? Well, I mean, the real hope is the, the scientific you know, like evidence to show that it can like be a, a actual like therapeutic tool, you know, like, like a, a medication, mm-hmm. you know, where it might, you know, could help with chronic pain or it can help with nausea from chemo or, you know, HIV, things like that, or, you know, whether it's helpful for, you know, irritable bowel and, and you know, like Crohn's or colitis or multiple sclerosis or things like, I mean, but the, the real hope and the you know, that very small study that I read was that, you know, cannabis cure COVID, <laughs> which, right. you know, like, I, I can't believe that until, you know, like, that's really, really proven. But there's a lot of hope for it, you know, and all the different, you know, there's so many different chemicals in the cannabis plant that, you know, that scientists are looking into to see and, and a lot of the CBD, you know, derivatives to see what might be, you know, you know, scientifically based and then turned into real medication. You know, we, like people so, are looking for therapeutic tools. That's what the complicated part of it is because it's been out there for so long being used, you know, by people illegally, right, for various things, whether it's just recreational, but also people, you know, like they've been, I, I would imagine people see what works for them their medical or physical conditions and, right. you know, using it. But, you know, that's, you, you definitely need responsible use of anything. 
but cannabis has been out there for years. That's the point. And now they're trying to, they're like, you know, it's like the cart's out there before the horse, right? And now they're trying to go back and say, here are all these things that it's so wonder it could be so wonderful for. And maybe that's true, but you know, it, it's, it, it has had a complicated history. I want to talk about what I think, I know I'm very interested in sharing with everybody, which is 38% of high school students, give or take, and depending on where the data is collected, but in the United States right now, and it's a, it's a high percentage of teens that are using pot, marijuana, weed, whatever. I can't seem to figure out the right cannabis. way to <laughs> I like to say cannabis. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to be informal, but it sounds ridiculous. So 38% of high school students it's use sc- cannabis. That's scary. And that's what I'm saying, that like teens, adolescents are not even high school, like middle school. I mean, there are kids in middle school that are that are trying, you know, and are thinking about it. And it's scary and it's, it's, it's dangerous. I said on the developing brain, but also on how, just how it, you know, like once it starts in a, in a, a peer group, it spreads and kids are curious and interested and, and, you know, wanting to like be, you know, included in their peer group. And it can, it can cause a whole lot of very, you know, like struggle for, for, for kids. Right. So can you explain a few of the specifics around what cannabis does to the developing brain? And also because I think in in explaining what cannabis does to the adolescent brain, I think it can give language and tools to parents for ways to talk about it with their when I said the frontal lobe, right, that's, that's like the, they you know, some, like a, a kid's decision-making area of the brain, you know, so they may not be making great decisions or they, you know, they may, it may be their, you know, like the impulsivity, like their, their frontal lobes are not full, are full, not fully developed and that might make them more apt to try cannabis, right? That impulse control is not there. Right. But, but once you got, but once they- got it in you, absolutely. Like, you know, you, your, your decision-making or your, that your decision-making capability is much lower, right? And so like, right. you might make very bad decisions for yourself that might absolutely, you know, impact getting into it, like say getting into a car with someone who's impaired and driving and that's not, that's not smart or, you know, getting into situations that, you know, you might not be very comfortable in as a teenager, you know, that could be a very scary thing. And how can, how would you recommend explaining to teens or you even younger middle schoolers? You might not be able to focus on your work, on your academic work if you're, if, you know, you're using cannabis. What are the longer term implications for the adolescent brain using cannabis? You're not going to get enough blood flow to your brain and all the, the different areas can be impacted. And that's where you, exactly. know, you, might, you might not reach your full potential. You might not be, you know, like, you know, like your attention and focus, your studying capability might be, you know, might be impacted. And is there an isn't there an increased association with psychiatric disorders later and other adult outcomes? Causation or correlation, right? So, is it because you were you driven to it? Right, is it because you smoked that you became psychotic or had a had a you know a bipolar break or something like that? So we can only say it's an association. We wouldn't say there's causation, but there is an association between cannabis use and adolescence. They say that there is a much increased risk of exactly, you know, like psychotic and other types of, um, you know, psychological disorders 
if you have a family history and you're smoke, you start smoking young. If you have a kid who says to you, I get this question all the time. If your teenager comes to you and says, I want to be open with you. I want to try cannabis and my friends are doing it. And I don't want to try something that's unsafe or dangerous. Will you get it for me? I get this so often. And I want to stress that we already know the answer. I I hope it's very clear. And I imagine you'll agree with me. (laughs) You know, as a parent, you know, I have to look out for your your well-being and I cannot like provide, you know, like I'm not, I can't say provide, procure, go buy, you know, I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy beer or, you know, alcohol for my, my, my teenage children either. Right. Well, but I think, you know, in, so, but it, I mean, it's not legal, 21 and under, not legal. So when they come to you and they say, well, I'm going to try it and I really want to make sure I'm safe. I just want to highlight for everybody, and we've talked about this before on the podcast with regard to alcohol, sometimes well-meaning parents think, well, at least you're home and at least I've provided you with something so we know that you're going to be okay. And that's actually not supporting the, it, it actually doesn't decrease risk. It increases risk. So the messaging when you're having conversations with your kids, and really it starts in middle school, you know, you want to have the conversation before it's the conversation in the moment. I wouldn't wait until. I I think that like you have to try and have open lines of communication with your kid all the time, which is not always easy for sure. And I, I know that, and I'm sure you know that too, but definitely, you know, you're not like, you have to be a parent. And, and if you notice things going on with your kids, like you want to ask, you want to, but ask an appropriate way, not where they're going to feel judged. Right. And sometimes that can be hard too, but you have to get the questions out. And, you know, I think that if, if it's important, you might need to let the schools know or, you know, like, let, you know, like, and also it's very, it's often helpful to get, you know, other support therapy, th- you know, therapists, any kind of someone that, that, that your, your kid can trust and open up to. And like, that can be very helpful. Sometimes kids don't want to open up to their parents, but if you if a parent notices something going on, they need to address it. And now a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsors. I am also a big fan of emotional wellness and Slumberkins is an emotional wellness company that focuses on raising caring, confident, resilient kids. So they have this collection of cozy, delicious characters Each collection combines a cuddly creature with a board book that teaches a set of skills like self-esteem, stress relief, growth mindset, and more. And the creature collections are full of snuggly little soft fuzzies, positive affirmations, and books that teach developmentally appropriate tangible lessons in a way that kids understand. It was created by a therapist and educator. So Slumberkin stories use therapeutic techniques to help children master social emotional skills. Slumberkins uses concrete tools so that kids can understand and support their emotions, name them, connect with them, and also give you the caregiver language and prompts so that you can have deeper conversations. Slumberkins makes learning about emotions fun and approachable. Use the code HUMANS at checkout for 15% off your first order. Visit 
slumberkins.com to learn more. I love summer camp. And whatever you choose for your child, you want to choose something that stretches them a little bit, that excites them, that engages them, that's fun and interesting and gives them an opportunity to just try something new. And since summer is around the corner, Camp Galileo is one place where your child's imagination can come to life. They enter this fun machine and campers start building lifetime memories with friends, old and new. And the Galileo staff are committed to making this the best summer yet. Their staff is made up of educators, artists, and engineers to help campers build creative confidence through their STEAM-based curriculum. At Camp Galileo, kids enjoy limitless creativity, innovation, and fun. This year, campers are going to work on creative projects like engineering their own roller coasters in Galileo's Amusement Park Adventure Camp. They're making a stained glass masterpiece at the Castle Quest Camp, or they're building a 3D dinosaur out of paper mache during their Dino Dig Camp. I mean, there's stuff to engage all sorts of interests. So you can just choose one of these amazing themes or experience all three. At Camp Galileo, kids enjoy limitless creativity, innovation, and fun. So go to galileo-camps.com and use the code FUNSUMMER2022 to get $100 off camp. What are some signs to look for if you suspect that your adolescent has been using cannabis? Well, I mean, there's like the immediate effects and then there's the longer effects. Like the immediate effects is like the red, you know, like red eyes and, you know, like acting, you know, impaired high or their coordination may be off, things like that. Or, you know, they may present with like an anxiety or panic attack, right? And they may not even tell you that, that, you know, this is what they've done or even worse, right? You know, like the paranoia kind of really serious, you know, episode. And like if they're isolating themselves when they're not connecting with their peers that they had, you know, like been before, or if their grades are falling off or, you know, something has changed dramatically. You want to think about like, not just cannabis, but anything, what might be going on with your, you know, with your kid. Can you give some language, some examples of ways to approach your child that don't, that don't kind of put them on the defensive or sound like you're you're coming at them where there's actual, <laughs> well, you, have to, you know, it's funny because I give so much advice as a child and adolescent psychiatrist, but with my own kids, you know, totally done. Yeah, you know, no, this is it like, what would you <laughs> right. Of course. I mean, sometimes you want to be direct and other times you want to be like a little bit like, you know, um, calmer, you know, the kinder, gentler approach, you know, whether it's, it's you know, easier I mean, to have a kinder, if you, gentler if find, I mean, I like, I know, parents who, you know, who found vape pens and, or, you know, or, or, you know, like joint things or, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, edibles. And yeah, I mean, you have to, and I, what I do you, you recommend they the say. if you see, if you find something, you, you have to ask about it, but if it's, you know, something that you're getting a feeling, you know, like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like just start, I, I would start there, you know, gently, how are you? I've, you know, I've noticed, yeah, it, you know, like things seem a little different than they had been. Like, you know, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, oh, just, you know, more general questions rather than going right for the jugular and asking, you know, are you, are smoking you using weed? weed? Now, if you find something, so I'll give then you I, a then scenario. I would say you must address it. Of course. 
And do you, when here's something that I have heard a lot too, is parents who want to believe their kids and they're, they find something, but their kids give them a great excuse. My friend left it. This happened to me, my oldest daughter is 24. And right. I think she was 15 or 16. Right. And her, her middle sister actually found her, what was a friend's, you know, bag filled with, <laughs> right. And of course her sister brought it to us and, and we, what were, is this? we were horrified. What is this? Like, I think, I think that she knew what it was <laughs> and brought it to us, you know, ratting out her sister. And of course it was, oh, I was holding it for a friend. I never used it. And, and so what do you do with that? She was grounded. When it's not your child. She was grounded. Right. I mean, well, I said, look, I mean, you know, first of all, it's very dangerous for you. It's dangerous for your sisters. It's, you know, that it, that it you know, it's, it can be very, it, it's, it's harmful. We, you know, we don't know where you're getting it from. And also, right. You're, you're putting yourself at risk and you're also putting, you know, the other kids in, in, you know, in our home at risk, your ki- your sisters. So even if you want to believe your child and you think they're telling the truth, you still need to give them the consequences even if they were pretend holding it for someone else. Right. And I mean, consequences are different for everybody. You know, yeah. For us, it was, she was, you know, she was, I mean, but this was like, you know, seven years ago. So she was grounded. She liked to go out. She was grounded. <laughs> Her phone was taken away. Like, you know, something that she you know, didn't like, but it was definitely, it, it left an impact on her. So in your experience clinically, when teens have curiosity and their parent and they are, you know, kind of open about it and they have a dialogue with their parents, has it like, what have you seen has pushed, you know, this, it's like, you want them to get as old as possible. You know, they, they need their parents obviously always, but like it becomes like, you know, parent then becomes like they'd rather be with their peers, their friends. And so a lot of like, it might not, you know, it's, it's very complicated then because they want to be seen as one way in the eyes of their peers. And even if they don't want to use smoke, vape, anything, they may feel peer pressure. And that's an, a, like, you know, that's very difficult and it's real, but it's real, you know, and, and like so many kids just want to fit in and they might do things that are very dangerous for them just to fit in. And that's, you know, like, there's no easy answer to that, but you have to absolutely, you know, notice what's going on with your kid and, and try to keep them safe and stay away from harm. And, you know, it's, it's hard. You know, you hope your kid has learned, you know, from what, like, you know, you're trying to teach them, you know, like good values, and, you know, your, your, like home, your home values, your family's values, right? But some kids, you know, <laughs> it's all three of my kids are very different and you know and you know one was very you know like into taking risks and other the other you know and another was very anti-risk and one was sort of in the middle you know you have to know your I think you'd say you have to know your kid it basically every everything boils down to those relationships because you can't control the peers and you can't control anything really. Yeah, so you can't control your peers, your, the parents of your peers, of your friend, right. of your kids' peers. And what one, one, what set of parents would do would not, not necessarily be what you would do would do, or, you know, it's, it's complicated, right? <laughs> yes. It's so complicated. And also, you know, if you notice that your kids are hanging out with peers 
where where the parents are more permissive about that, it's a conversation to have. Like maybe those are the friends that they need to come to your house. Like if you had to give one message, given how complex this particular topic is, where you can't really just make one global statement, but is there one message you'd want parents to take home from this conversation and from your work? Well, I I think, like you said, I mean, like a relationship with your child and understanding what's going on for them and seeing if they like if you know, even just subtle changes. If you notice things going on, trust yourself. Right. Like, don't try to, you know, like, you know, sweep it under the rug, you know, like ask, ask questions. And do you feel that's being a parent? You can't be a friend. You have to be a parent, especially if things like that are going on. So my last two questions, one, if you're a parent who uses cannabis, I just, I think there's, there is a movement of people saying it's like alcohol. So you can drink moderately in front of your kids. You should be able to use cannabis moderately in front of your kids. I see this more because I'm in California. I am, I have a lot of trouble with that. I don't recommend any kind of recreational cannabis use. For anyone, I'm not recommending that. I am, I am the physician who, you know, like wants to understand it and says that more research needs to be done. And I understand that, you know, it has been shown to be effective for, you know, for certain things. But for recreational purposes, I am not. I am not putting it out there that that I am recommending it. People will use it, and I want people to use it in a safe, as safe a, way, a manner as possible. But am I recommending it? No. That might actually be a good closing statement. Until it's shown, I mean, I, I want to believe that cannabis can be found to have therapeutic uses, but, and, and, you know, I need that. I need the research, just like a lot of many, many, all physicians should be in my camp. <laughs> we really want that, the research so that we can get behind it and say, okay, this is what, you know, this is what it can be helpful for in this manner, in this dosage, in this form this many times a, a, a week, a month or whatever, right? But that's, I think that's kind of far off for recreational use. And is it, is it considered, is, is it actually a gateway drug or is it not associated? Like when you think about teens? Well, that, you know, like it's, again, it's a, that, you know, it's very a divided, you know, issue. Some people say it is a gateway and other people say it isn't. It's really so terrifying to be in this field, but also a mother. (laughs) Yeah, but somehow they do grow up. (laughs) I'm amazed every day. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm excited to just share this and I'll put the book in the show notes and Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, it was my pleasure. Yes, it's an, I mean, it's a very, very important topic for sure.